Welcome to the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, your premier North American rugby podcast, growing rugby one fan at a time. Welcome back, rugby fans. It's that time again here with the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, where we dive into everything rugby here on episode 156. And back for some more action is myself, Ty Safa Braga. Joining me as per usual, we've got Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt. And returning for the umpteenth time in place of Scott the Big Guy Ferrara, we welcome back Rick the Jackal King Collins. Should have been the not so big guy. Ah, yeah, the medium guy. The medium guy. (laughs) Or if you want to rhyme, just uh, Magnum PI. Oh, we got skills yet today. Yeah, it's it's clearly Uh, Halloween uh, as of recording tomorrow. So uh, apparently, uh, Rick is going to be either Magnum PI or we're hearing some talk down near the Jackal Den that it could be uh, a certain famous coach from a fictitious. TV show that launched on Apple TV recently? Could be. Could be. Okay. We shall see. see. Anybody can guess it. Wrong answers only. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So once again, Rick, it's great to be able to have you here with us. And as a reminder for fans tuning in to the Rugby Rant for one more time, we're going to be diving in in a moment to talk about everything when it comes to rugby news related from across the rugby realms and around the pitch. Stick around. When we pick up the ball, we also pick up a legacy. A legacy that stretches beyond your current team. A legacy built on the backs of those who came before you with hard work. And for those who will come after you, we promise it won't be easy. But we'll be there, supporting you on and off the field. gentlemen this is where we get to be able to share what we think fans should learn about should know about throw it out there on the radar and to start us off i'm going to hand it over to you rob oh thank you very much i posted this earlier in the week on the fan zone but i thought it important enough to remind everybody about this opportunity given that we well, most of us had peacock because of the world cup i happen to see scrum appear at the top of the sports segment in our section in Peacock. And I thought, hey, what's that all about? Turns out on Peacock, an hour and 15 minute documentary on Frank McKinney, the first African-American coach at Queens University in South Carolina. Uh, Daryl McCormick uh, is our resident expert down there. But anyway, uh, this basically chronicles a story uh, of, of their 2019 chase for the NCR 1AA title. National Championship title. And I I won't give anything away, but it's an awesome story. And just like every good story that's out there, every good documentary has its highs and its lows. It's this thing that make you cry because it's so exciting. There's things that make you go, oh man, is it really really worth it? Uh, And this is no different. But these are the stories I think rugby needs to start to tell at all levels, be it, you know, college rugby, the MLR, 
and of course at the highest level of rugby here in the United States, the U.S. Men's and Women's Eagles. Uh, but check it out; it's on Peacock. Hour and fifteen minutes of your time. I think you'll, I think you'll love it. It's a great story. It's called Scrum. I didn't even know that. This is the first time that I'm hearing this. This wasn't in our meeting, but I definitely got to go check it out because Queen, Queens is a provide. phenomenal program. They, yeah. They've been in yeah. national championship yeah. runs for the last few years, and mm-hmm. they've had multiple players. Right. Well, not only that, draft. but the, but that has been you know documentary form as well. I mean, any yeah. additional media, really especially good. in American rugby, right. land, sorry, in American sporting landscape, is important. And to put it on the right platform is also another additional point in its favor. Very important. So really <laughs> and and by the way, if anybody knows Frank personally and can reach out, let him know that I reached out to him on Facebook. I want to get him on the RPK. I'd like to get Definitely. him on yeah. the show. So if uh, if somebody knows him. Uh, you know, somebody, know somebody out there, Rob, has to know him. The rugby yeah. community is big <laughs> and small at the same time. Six degrees of separation. We might exactly. only have to go one. Yeah, there's <laughs> yeah. So let's so hope really, so. really yeah, good yeah. spotlight there, Rob. Thank you for that. Yeah. Rick, what do you got to share? Well, we uh, had our first uh, sit-down meeting with the Jackals down here. Um we've got some we've had some not so great news in the in the fan club the last couple of weeks, but this is uh, this was good news. Um, they're uh, they understand what pains we've had over the last couple of years. Um, now we we've heard all the good talk, so um, we'll see it when we it we'll believe it when we see it. But um, it sounds really promising. The ownership group is getting more hands on. Uh, and uh, we're excited for another season. Uh, we've got some really good uh, players coming in. Um, and we've returned a lot of players that we were worried we were not going to get back. So um, we're really excited for some continuity down here, which is awesome. Yeah. We've also got fall rugby starting off already, so we're ready to rock. Yeah, I love the fact that you highlighted continuity as one of the important points that you were trying to illustrate there because so many people can easily be distracted or interested in the idea of who's signed next, what's the big name. But really, you want to be able to have some of those core remain season after season to be able to build upon the street strengths that you had before. You know, Dallas has already had a pretty tough road, but they made some really, really big steps forward in some yes. key areas. And those players are a part of it. So it's wonderful to be able to see. It looks like it's going to be a healthy blend between the old and the new coming in. Um, yes. So, yeah, good highlight there. And I'm sure, you know, as the as the Rugby World Cup is now in its wind down, we're going to hear more news from, from rugby um, closer to home. I, I but, was hoping uh, we might hear something today about schedule being released and maybe a team and a brand uh, being released. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait another day. Right. Well, you know, now you curse it because by the time people actually want it, it would have happened. It'll be, it'll be released right after. <laughs> and then you'll be the fool. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I always am. It's fine. <laughs> it's happened to us so many times on the show. I mean, it's been recorded <laughs> on a Monday night, and this is released every Thursday. A lot can happen in a couple of days when it comes to rugby, people. Uh, so don't curse us if you think, ah, these guys are old news because they're one day behind. But today, <laughs> we won't. We're trying. <laughs> So let me take the opportunity first off to be able to uh, to, to do this because I got a rain on that <laughs> with parade. Oh, come! I think that's a new meaning right now, guys. Are, are we going to have to endure four years of this? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> no, like, going for a decade. We played a great game. It was awesome. It I was wasn't an awesome game. for them, but um, they deserve to win. 
But if I have to hear you and Benji go on and on about <laughs> South Africa, I'm nowhere in the near world as obnoxious as Benji is. He takes the mantle for like every South African fan. Yeah, like I'm just in the shadows, being like, "Yeah, what he said." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but all, all jokes aside, you know, we got to give respect where respect is deserved. There is no other team that will take you down to the wire, one man down like New Zealand will, because their spirit is unbelievable and unrivaled in the sport across any country. Um, and that's why they are the, among the most respected. And I couldn't think of a more storied final than New Zealand versus South Africa. And it always promises to be a tremendous affair, a wonderful spectacle. It might not be the traditional rugby that everybody happens to be able to love. And sure, we got different versions of the game we love. But at the end, a one-point difference is down to the wire and a nail-biter right to the very final moments. Yeah. And that's what a final deserves. Absolutely. And that's how phenomenal game. I, I think the whole tournament was phenomenal for the sport of rugby. I thought... You know, outside a couple of teams that really didn't show up, unfortunately, there were teams that nobody expected to do anything that put on shows, put on shows for the Mm -hmm. crowd. Oh, absolutely. And even those like, quote unquote, minnows is what they've been referred to before. And you say like some teams didn't show up and, you know, give a real go at it. Really, if you're counting Romania or Chile in that, well, Romania has been absent for years. Yeah. Getting there was an achievement. Yeah. Chile was their first time there. Amazing achievement. They were, of course, the better against the U.S., and they deserved their first opportunity. Yes. But in a Absolutely. way, even though they're on the big stage and didn't perform at the standard we would like them to, it cast a light upon the fact that we need to be able to have more opportunities like that. But overall, you know, again, I, I'm not going to hijack this uh, conversation to talk just about the yes, World Cup. There's plenty of time to be able to do that. In fact, there's four more years, baby, to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's a, I want to make sure that, that it comes across true that whether you're a fan of South Africa or a fan of New Zealand, it makes no difference. You're a fan of rugby when it comes to quality. And that's what that was. Absolutely. Yeah. Rob, I hand the mic over to you. Uh, While we're talking about national teams and, you know, rugby at its highest levels, I want to talk just for a moment about USC Eagles. We talked last week, I think Scott talked about the women um, playing Scotland and and the women just played Italy, uh, lost to lost Italy this last weekend in the um, uh, 15 or was it WV or XV competition. Mm hmm. Um, but, um, now the United States men's teams is going to take the stage after the, the rugby world cup and being locked out of that or locking themselves out, depending on how you want to approach it. Nevertheless, uh, they are currently in Villa Uesa, Spain, which is in the you know coast of Spain by the Mediterranean. I actually played rugby there in 99 on a tour. It was brilliant, wonderful place to be. Nevertheless, us, Canada, Brazil, and Spain are all locked in there. And they're going to be playing in a, you know, basically a small tournament, if you will, uh, which starts on November 11th. The U.S. Eagles will take on uh, Brazil. Uh, And the winner of the Brazil-U.S. match and the winner of the Canada-Spain match will play each other in a second test, as will the losers of those, you know, first round of matches will play each other. Again, it's just one more opportunity for 
these teams that were not in the World Cup to be able to get some experience and just to kind of see what they have moving forward. Uh, I'll actually, this today as of recording, I got a chance to catch up with uh, U.S. Captain and Hounds Captain Bryce Campbell uh, from camp in Spain. Um, and we talked a lot about the Hounds, but we also talked about uh, national team rugby, representative rugby, and of course that would be the Eagles. Um, this event represents the third phase of what Scott Lawrence calls Project Mercury, a term that he coined from uh, John F. Kennedy and mm-hmm. kind of our space race in the 1960s. And it was just kind of the idea that it's it's not only something that we can do, but it's something that we must do. So uh, the idea that, you know, we have to tackle these challenges head on. And I think that's the approach that Scott's taken with U.S. national team is that we we can't be locked out in 2027. Right. We have to be pre- prepared to get there. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think it was you that said in St. Robin and stuck with me is that your preparation for a rugby world cup, you know, it doesn't start, you know, a year or two before it starts the moment one cycle yeah. ends, the next begins. And you could argue some steps before that too. Um, and those steps are now being put into place yeah. while they're certainly missed out in this window. Um, they've managed to be able to find a way to be able to get that game time. And what's important though, too, is that you're going to see guys like Scott Lawrence are going to be happy to be able to field who's the next generation of players and opportunities right. like this. And they need as many of these opportunities like this. So, you know, forget about the all-star cost. I want to be able to see the next gen USA yeah. rugby players out there. Well, and, and if, not for nothing, I think we have to recognize that what Scott is trying to do with this current crop, and remember, there's a there's a number of guys in the squad. It was just uh, released a couple of days ago. A number of guys in the squad that are probably not going to be there in 2027, but that's not the point. The point is to use those guys as a representation of what the squad's identity will be. You know that this has to be a hard nosed, physical, tough brand of rugby, uh, and there's a crop of guys in this in this core squad that really represent that. And regardless of whether they're going to be long in the tooth, too long in the tooth to be there in 2027, really doesn't matter. What it, what matters is that they're going to put their stamp on this USA program while Scott Lawrence is there. And I think that's, that's important too. And, and it is a challenge though, because through the cycle, you want to be able to build confidence in the brand too. This is a part of his job too, right? Yep. It's to kind of rebuild a, a strength and trust in the rugby community. So you've got to pepper in the experience with the next generation. And it's a difficult strike to balance but if, uh, you know, we've said it before and we'll say it again, if there's one man that's certainly in the right spot for this occasion, uh, it's going to be Scott Lawrence. And, uh, yeah. you know, we, we on the rugby rant for our th- support there uh, on any occasion because so far he's proving to be true in every case. 100%. So I throw it to you, Rick. Yeah, uh, and I, I think part of that is there's guys in that camp who are, I think, going to be expected to be the leaders uh, following – you know, is Bryce Campbell going to be available for 2027? I mean, he's kind of borderline. I think you've got a huge group of young guys coming up. Um, I want to see the Hawks getting more matches, um, and I'm going to bring that up later. But I, I I do want to see young guys getting a chance, but I also agree he's trying to build kind of a, a, a string held from Campbell and Dolan right, in those guys, mm-hmm. down to the guys who are 16, 17, 18, and make sure that that string 
you know, they continue on that. Well, that's how you develop the pipeline and keep it strong, right? Is you need to think, you know, not first, second, third. It's down the I road. I think you can continue that pipeline. But as, as Rob was saying, like getting that mentality and having that passed yeah. down from one captain to the next, I, I can see why he would he would want to keep those guys around for this, at least for this year. Um, you know, and I'll be very interested to see what he does for this new competition uh, mm-hmm. that they'll be competing in uh, next year. But um, I I do want to see uh, some of these guys, especially who didn't get to go to a uh, world cup, get some more matches, getting their numbers up. Um, it's going to be great warm up for them getting ready for MLR season. I think the entire roster is MLR players, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, those guys need the the warm up anyway. So I think that's going to be great for them. Um, getting some travel for some of the younger guys to see what it's like to play on the road. I'm going to take the opportunity here, Rick, to springboard off into my final piece for around the pitch. Yep. Something you said, some guys are getting a little long in the tooth. Will they be there at the next Rugby World Cup? To that point, one great story as a highlight I wanted to share, and you made me think of this on the spot. I didn't prepare this one. Dion Faree, South African Springbok, just completed the final. Why do I bring this up? He made his debut as a Springbok at the age of 35 years old, then took on the URC championship, then got, got given his opportunity to join the camp, then got his opportunity to become the World Cup participant, then rolled onto the field after three minutes of Bongi had been taken off, and he had to also, when uh, later Sia was off, take the captaincy. That is a rise in only a couple of years and at 35 made his debut. You're never too old, it, it, it really, to be able to have that great opportunity coming away. It's all about seizing it. That's and, uh, true. That's what that is true. So are you telling me I still have a shot? <laughs> yeah. Put on your boots, man. Put on your boots. You know, and it might not be in, in playing. It might be coaching. It might be refereeing. There's many ways to contribute to the sport that we love. So I'll run the tee out to the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, professional ball boys are a thing. You can run the message from Rossi down to the field. Um, let's be honest, every rugby team in the world does that, though. Yeah. Um, so let's leave it there, gentlemen, because that's probably a debate for another day. We'll be back, rugby fans, in a moment to be able to talk more about world rugby, in particular through the lens of USA and Canada as they are reintroducing the Pacific Nations Cup and also expanding the 2027 Rugby World Cup hosted in Australia from 20 to 24 teams. We're going to talk more about its impact through the lens of the USA and Canada in a moment. Tighthead Brewing Company is not just Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers. It is also a great place to enjoy local acts performing live music every Thursday and Saturday nights. Additionally, their Wednesday night trivia nights are something not to be missed. Tighthead is located in Mundelein, Illinois, and easily accessible for many Chicagoans, and it is just steps away from the metro. Owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff are dedicated to ensure your microbrew experience is as tight as their beers. Bruce's love for rugby extends beyond the origin of his brewery's name. Tighthead is committed to supporting the rugby community. This includes his support for Lake County RFC and our own Rugby Rant podcast show. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. Regardless of whether your palate enjoys a good IPA or dark barrel-aged brew, Tighthead can deliver. 
Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. And we're back, rugby fans, here to be able to talk about the expansion of the Rugby World Cup. But before then, we need to be able to dive into this, what has been pitched by World Rugby as this new competition, the Pacific Nations Cup. But interestingly enough, is it actually new or is it just a rehash of some old ideas? I wanted to be able to highlight for our fans tuning in, gentlemen, a quote from America's Rugby News, the author of which, Paul Tate, shout out, great stuff here. Love how he was open and honest, very direct in his writing style. Check it out if you haven't yet as a fan. But let me give you one little piece to be able to show you the sentiment of this article. And I'll read it for you gentlemen as well as those listening in. World Rugby announced the Pacific Nations Cup as being expanded. This is not accurate. Neither Canada, nor the USA, nor Japan are expansionist teams. The tournament is not an innovation. Rather, it is world rugby doing again what it has done before. Pretty bold words to be able to call out the, uh, you know, this as an innovation, but in fact, really just a recreation. Um, and I can see why. There's certainly some merit to it. You know, you and I, Rick, were talking about it in the pre-production meeting. You're like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. 2013, 2014, it was maybe something else, but it looked very similar. So this is just really an opportunity for some of saying to be able to just fill in a gap because they don't have an answer for these teams. World Rugby doesn't have a plan with longevity to provide regular competition for teams and I want to make sure everybody understands the teams we're talking about here um, because it's in one category or one conference is, is Japan, the U.S., and Canada. And then we go further south to the other, and I want to make sure that I get this right. It was uh, – so where Samoa. is it? Help me out, yeah. Samoa, Tonga, um, and Fiji. Exactly. There we go. Thank you, Rick. Knew we brought you on for some reason. Uh, <laughs> Um, so really, it's, it's pretty interesting to be able to see it so perfectly summed up in one point there. And again, shout out to Paul Tate for bringing this. We'll drop a link when inside the, 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 the post. But let's hand it to you, gentlemen. Rick, you first. What are your thoughts overall? Pros and yeah. cons? Look, on the negative side, it's not an innovation. This isn't something new. We've seen this, as you mentioned, 2013, 2014, 2015, even to, as, as recent as 2019, we've seen this exact same group of teams competing. Now, we've seen a combination of these teams playing in even earlier tournaments. Um, so this is not new at all. Right. On a positive note... USA and Canada desperately need these these competitive matches. Um, obviously, Fiji um, was in the World Cup. Uh, Samoa was in the World Cup. Uh, Tonga is a team that that can get there on occasion. Japan was in the World Cup. So, getting competition against teams that they would be competing against in the World Cup is an absolute necessity. Right, who are arguably better teams today. Absolutely. All of them are ranked above the USA and Canada today. So getting those matches is a necessity. That should have been happening. Why it hasn't been happening 
is beyond me. Um, now, some people will complain, well, they shut out South America. No, South America decided they did not want to be in this competition. Uh, they're looking at other competitions to be involved in. My guess is they're going to be playing against maybe Spain, Portugal, and trying to get matches against South Africa, et cetera. So they're going to be finding other ways. Argentina will probably get involved with the rugby championship again um, in some form or fashion and doing some other stuff there. There's rumors that they might be entering Super Rugby with a basically the Yawaris yeah, team. Uh, so the depth there for Argentina is not a concern. Um, they don't really care. It's really about what Chile, Brazil, right. Uruguay, um, those and, teams. And in addition, on that point on Uruguay, um, they've also got on, at the, on the table now a proposal to be able to play against Argentina every year when Montevideo will be the host, which, of course, is Uruguay's capital. So they'll which, have, they'll which have is right across a lake, there. basically, from Buenos Aires. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense for them. Absolutely. Um, I do think, though, that, uh, you know, despite it being a necessity, there is a concern that we're then setting ourselves up for we're only getting those tier two team matches and we're not getting matches against uh, Scotland, Italy, uh, Wales. We're not getting those kind of mid to lower tier one matches that really would help boost us up, right? Maybe it's pointless for us to play the All Blacks or South Africa or England or France or something like that. But, you know, remember when we beat Scotland, and obviously it was Scotland's kind of B-side, right? But that was huge. And I think a huge boost to USA Rugby. Um, We need more of those matches. And we need some sort of competition that's going to allow us to at least have a chance to get maybe a promotion to play against those teams. Um, And there's been talk about that's what they should do is some kind of secondary to six nations into the rugby championship to allow promotion and relegation. And part of this seems to be just locking it down that they're not going to allow that in the near future. Yeah. And the challenge is you pointed out Scotland. Now imagine you're in the, you know, the Scotland seat and you go, wow, okay, man, we just put on our best team that we've ever seen at a rugby world cup and we still didn't make it to the quarters so they're looking to be able to continue to play higher level rugby they don't want to level down they want to level up that's their argument but we're saying hey we should be playing people like scotland because they're the weaker of them we should be playing italy because they're the weaker of them you know so and to your point we don't want to see america get trounced 114 to 14 like they were the last time around but everybody wants to play the team better than in order to become better. But how do we get the teams in the middle who are not up there and not yep. down there to buy in? And that's one of the big challenges here. And I imagine those are some of the real conversations that are are roadblocks in developing yep. this, this window. To, and I to guarantee block. you, USA and Canada are not the only countries that are having this conversation, especially, oh, sure. in, Europe, especially in Europe. There yeah. are teams in Europe that believe they should and you pointed be out Portugal, Georgia. You pointed out Spain. These are all really, really great, yep. attractive rugby nations right now that are underserved. Yep. Um, and, and before Usually. we get too farther into this conversation, I can see Rob is ready and on the bench. He wants to roll with this. So we're going to give him the opportunity and call him off the bench here. Follow me in the stream of consciousness. <laughs> oh. <laughs> During ready. the Rugby World Cup, that just happened. 
Sam Whitelock reached 150 caps. By comparison, the most capped U.S. player is Todd Clever at 76. How right. is it that and, – and now, granted, he is at the top, but both guys are at the top end. How is it a guy like Clever, who was – I mean, he was in the two, 2004 World Cup. That was when he you know, first saw national team action. How is it that that can happen, that we – our top yeah. player doesn't – can't reach that level? And it comes down to the fact that those top tier teams are playing between 11 and 14 uh, matches a, a year, calendar year, with one another. Comparatively speaking, we're lucky to get four or five. It's what Gary Gold, it's what Scott Lawrence, it's what Cam Dolan has talked to me about and why yeah. you know we're constantly in search of more matches and why we struggle oftentimes. Uh, for results. And it's because we don't have enough time together uh, as a training squad. And that's one of the things that Scott Lawrence is trying to remedy in the process. Unfortunately, this situation, I won't rehash some of what, what Rick said, because I, I agree with all that he said. But unfortunately, we, we as the United States are at the teat of world rugby. We can't do anything to contradict what their efforts are looking to do, which in my mind is to simply cement those top rugby teams where they're at. Uh, mm. we, are, we are beholden to the development funds that they provide us. It, it, guys, it's, it's critical to the, it's the lifeblood of our national 15s and 7s. Yeah. Well, mostly 15s game, a lesser extent 7s because they, the, they get ODP money. Mm. So, so um, we can't tell them that we can't tell them to fuck off. Mm -hmm. We have to accept it. Now, that being said, I'm, I'm not saying that the competition is, is, is shit or that we shouldn't be involved in it. I just think there are a few shortcomings. Uh, Rick talked about them. the fact there's no promotion or relegation in my mind is a problem. Why not go through the competition throughout the year in the fall at the end of the competition? One of the last things that happens is, you know, your top two, uh, uh, um, tier one teams, or sorry, tier two teams play your bottom two tier one teams yep. in those final two weeks of your fall, you know, um, window. Um, mm -hmm. Why not do something like that? It gives those top placing teams in tier two. Because if you're Scotland or Italy, <laughs> yeah. you know well, you can foresee where you're going to be. Okay, then fucking get better. Three, yeah. get better. Yeah, and improve. Tournament to get better and get out of there. But the I, I don't even necessarily need that promotion relegation, which supposedly isn't supposed to happen. Yeah, this is not this is not which Premier doesn't League help us at all as a as a, as a as a the, the host of 2031. We need the opportunity to play these top some of the top tier teams. It doesn't have to be England, it doesn't have to be New Zealand, it doesn't have to be South Africa, but like a Scotland and Italy, um, you know, e even a, a Georgia, though we need to have access to those teams on a regular basis. Otherwise, we will not improve. And, you know, right. if Fiji gets up into the tier one, you know, not having the opportunity to play them is problematic too. So I like the idea. I think some of the competitive uh, matches are there. We're certainly going to get more matches into the, you know, into the test window. Um, but we got to make sure that, that uh, all clubs, allow our our european based players to be able to have you know the ability to 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 play during the the, the mm -hmm. windows 
And I think it's really interesting, Rob, to point that out because a lot of almost the entire roster this fall is MLR players, which makes sense because yeah. uh, European competitions are just starting. But he is almost solely picked MLR players, like 98% of the players picked in the last uh, three camps have been MLR players. And I, I there's got to be something behind that. Part of it is, I think we don't want to have to depend on AJ McGinty showing up, you know, at the last minute for a match. Right. I mean, yeah. he, he, AJ McGinty, I cannot blame him one bit. He's making really good money. He's playing phenomenal in one of the best leagues in the world. Go for it, but we can't build a team around one man. We all know that, right? And and America has had to do that for a variety of reasons for the longest time. Absolutely, and we've you had success, going. we've had more failures than there have been success. Um, and and I think that that we're at that stage now where we ask, well, how many times do we have to have egg on our face before we finally go? This is the moment we change what we've been doing, and I and I think that opportunity has come. And, and we've got the right people in the right place and we've got the motivators and we've got all of that. We just don't have the platform quite yet. So is the Pacific Nations that platform? Gentlemen, final thoughts here before we move into the second part of our conversation, which is the World Cup expansion. So I'll throw it to Rob first. It is if there's an opportunity to play some tier one nations at at important or critical moments in that, you know, in that okay. series. So it's a good step forward, but it's good not where we want to be. Not where we want to be. All right. And we could argue that Japan is certainly a much tougher nation than they once were. You know, when you go back to 2013, this this version of this competition was, was hosted. 2014, 2015, they beat South Africa in the quarters, uh, sorry, in, in the pool stages. Um, then 2019, we know their story there. You could you could say they were underperformed this time around, but certainly they're better than us and they are good competition to play. We just want to play more and more of a greater competition than that once we're done with Japan. <laughs> I just, you know, over the course of the next uh, seven years, want it, want an opportunity, if we improve and can beat the likes of Japan and Fiji, an opportunity to play some of those Tier 1 nations. I don't want to right. be locked out. Is that going to un- be the combination that unlocks the key? Right. Yeah. Right. So really good point. Really good insights there from Rob. Let's hand it to you, Rick. Yeah, I think it has to be part of a, a a plan that goes further, and part of that um, I think is is not just expanding the World Cup. Um, in fact, I'm not sure expanding the World Cup is the right decision, but I think it. We're talking about that in a moment. <laughs> we need we need to get we need to get more competitive matches, and what that means is more competitions that get us in place to play against um, Tier One. You know. It's, especially lower tier one nations where we feel like, Hey, we should be in that nine to 12 range. That's where Mm -hmm. we're aiming for. We need to be playing those nations every year. And I think getting Fiji and Japan is definitely going to make it more challenging, but we need to be playing higher competition. We want to get up there. We're just playing against them. We're never going to get up past 13 or 14. It's just not going to happen. I'd like to add one thing. I think, you know, Yes, South Africa or South America and many of those nations chose not to be part of the competition. I think that's problematic. And it's it's think about it in the sense of, you know, when you own a home you and you're thinking about selling, you look at the comps. What's in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Well, yep. they're in our neighborhood because we have to go through them to qualify for yep. 
the the Rugby World Cup. How the hell do we know how we stack up against them if they're not going to play ball with us? Yeah. We should be in a separate competition that's just an America's Championship. And, yeah. And playing against Uruguay, and it's probably, you know, the – yeah. Pu- Pumitas or whatever, it doesn't matter. We need to, we need that competition too. So let's turn our attentions to the next topic here, as it has been revealed by World Rugby within the last week by the time we recorded this. The decision has been made to be able to expand the Rugby World Cup. This has been in the books, it's been discussed for, for a while now, but they've decided that now is the moment as rugby has been under the microscope for a few years. One of the motivators being the commercialization of the sport, how do they continue to grow it, how do they continue to make it a profitable sport. As we see leagues around the world faltering, world rugby still stands steady, still holds strong, with the product, of course, being the World Cup itself, the most profitable of them all. In an attempt to be able to grow the game and expand its reach, they've chosen to be able to move from 20 nations to 24. What this means for the fans is that they get to be able to enjoy the same product with a lot more versatility, more dynamic rugby, more countries being included. Some debate that this could dilute the product. Some say that it could increase the player pool. There's different arguments from different sides. But in truth, let me tell you what we do know. The seven-week competition is going to become a six-week competition. We are then moving from five in each pool down to four and increasing it to six pools. That means that the top seed one and two in each will advance into a second into an interim stage. Previously, they would have gone into the quarters. Now they do a round of 16, much like soccer does in the FIFA World mm-hmm. Cup. So we're, and you put it a, a great way, uh, Rick, in our, in our pre-production meeting, is less pool games, more knockout games. And that makes for an exciting rugby product for most people. Certainly, if you watch the Rugby World Cup, it's been among the most exciting yeah. Uh, of all of them. Um, so let's let's dive into this a little bit deeper. And again, through the lens of USA and Canada, talking about North American rugby, is this great? Is this a dilution of the product? Does this offer more opportunity or perhaps even less opportunity? Let's hand it to uh, who started the last round. I think, Rob, you need to start this one because I think Rick started the last. I, I mean, ultimately, I like it. Uh, the United States would have qualified. Canada would have qualified in this case. So it's good for us. One of the criticisms has been with, you know, four more teams, and you're going to see four teams that didn't qualify uh, this current year in 2023, qualify in 2027. So the argument is you're going to see more drubbings. That may be true, but, you know, we've always seen the drubbings in, in World Cups. Yeah. Let's face it. Uh, you know, I think uh, Japan got beat by New Zealand by over 100 um, yeah, I think in two, in 1995 or something like that, it was in, it was a ass kick and yeah, like 101 to three, yeah. yeah. you know, so you've always seen that. Uh, I think the value is you're going to see at least according to the article that, that Ty cited, um, you're going to, you're going to see some opportunities for some of those lower tier teams to, you know, be competitive in some of those, uh, other pool matches, what I like is it does place a greater emphasis on, uh, you know, qualifying, you know, the, the knockout stage, which is the exciting part because, you know, teams qualify for that point and you never know. They ride some momentum and they get hot uh, and they do greater things than than they anybody could ever imagine. And that's what makes it an exciting thing. That's what draws people to the NCAA uh, basketball tournament mm-hmm. every year, you know. Um, 
Now, um, I think in that case, it would be much fairer to those nations that are kind of on the cusp of greatness. And I'm talking about like a Scotland. They didn't qualify for the knockout stage, but here right. they would have. And, and clearly they would have gotten to that, to that um, you know, uh, quarterfinal level, that top eight level. Uh, I think you could also make a case that more pools, um, if selected closer to the World Cup, are going to lead us to have a little bit more. Yeah, and uh, I think that they agreed that they made a mistake there. So yeah. that will they made a huge mistake. We talked there. about that last week, yeah, in last week's episode, for so for sure. Yeah. You know, and, and I love the fact that you pointed that out for, for Scotland. Gee, Scotland's come up a few times today. We got, have we got something for them? Yeah. Well, so, and the one thing I would add is I would say this, my greatest fear by compressing the tournament from seven weeks into six is that you're going to see teams um, be forced to play perhaps uh, on short rest or short window. Uh, you so know, it's is, one of the things they were really cognizant of this year uh, and the tournament, I think that worked well, especially as there wasn't a ton of travel in, in, in France. Right. But um, it worked against us, the United States and Japan. I think we had a four-day right. four day window, if I'm not mistaken, between two of our matches, one of them being, I think, the Samoa match, if I'm not mistaken, Samoa or Tonga match, in which it was really our beatable match was our last one. And we had the shortest rest window, and we also had to travel. In yeah, order I think to, that was the one that was that canceled through a hurricane yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But- you bring up a good point. So I want to be able to just talk about that last one for the moment because um, it was one of the things that was addressed from 2019 through to this. And I right. think it was a much fairer distribution for all nations, right? Because who got stuffed in that was not only the U.S., but every other Tier 2 nation, right, mm-hmm. um, including Fiji, who made really, really great efforts despite their challenges. And that's always the story. We are always as a Tier 2 nation – punching above our weight class, and that's the story of success. Never that we're actually true competitors. But if we were given the same equal opportunities, could they be? So for this competition in 2027 hosted in Australia, even though it goes from seven weeks to six weeks, they promise that the rest time is supposed to be the same because there's less games in each pool, right? So that could give them opportunities for equal rest, even though it's shorter. Now, I don't know. I haven't gone into much detail. We're still very far out. I'd have to see it. But that is one of the promises inside that, that their player welfare is one of the decisions to shorten the competition that help motivate the original idea. Hmm. Okay. So it's, it's, but on top of that, you know, you pointed out, Rob, that it gives opportunity for tier two nations to be able to have a shot that didn't exist before. Four more chances, right? If America and Canada had one more opportunity, well, they had plenty of opportunities, but if they had one more, could that have been the one? And yes, maybe you would still come in last, but you would still be on the big, at the big show. And, and I think that's really a measurement of success for most of the countries who are going to be coming in as those final four. The 20, they're pretty much set. Let's say the 16 are, are, are set, right? But your 16 to position 24 is going to be interesting. That's going to be growth. That's yeah, it's going to be really set. interesting. I think this is going to be very dependent on how they set up qualifiers and who they give right. those those qualifier spots to. I think they'll have to shift those things around quite a lot, change divisions, change who the competitors are. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I'm talking too much uh, of, the, of the, the, the interim here. So let me just hand it to you, Rick. Yeah. You know, I, I, I desperately wanted the U.S. obviously to get into this competition. And that would have been 
that would have been awesome to have them playing. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, did the USA and Canada really deserve to be in this World Cup? Um, the argument might be made that, no, they really did not play well enough. And uh, was it better to see Portugal and Chile uh, playing? In, and, and those would have been the two spots that the U.S. would have been in had they you know, won their last two qualifier opportunities. Um, so I, I, I love the idea of, of getting new blood in there. Um, the sevens tournament does a great job of it by having these invitational teams. They get their chance to show up. They get their own tournament that they get to play in to qualify for the big tournament. Hmm. Interesting. So maybe you could have a side-by-side tournament with lower level teams that could actually get good competition have a championship of some sort. And then that's their competition for that fall when they're not playing rather than us going and playing Brazil and either Spain or Canada. Right. Um, so I, I think there are better ways to do it than just keeping adding teams. It is interesting that the last two times they've expanded the world cup has been after the U S has not qualified. <laughs> So, well, I mean, they, they do want the U.S. to be successful. We <laughs> should like they tried to shove us in there somehow. Um, but I don't know if that makes us better. Um, you know, it, and I love the ARN article as well because it, it gives you an idea of what the tournament would look like based on the, mm-hmm. the recent rankings. And you would have Hong Kong, Spain, Canada, and uh, the USA. Those would be the four additional teams getting in. I don't think Hong Kong would stand a chance against literally every other team in this tournament. So um, I I really struggle to see how that's going to make it good competition for those teams. It's good for them to get the spotlight, but they're so quickly going to be dismissed. Yeah. Well, we have to consider the other angles, though, too. Not only is it the rugby product, which we primarily focused on in this conversation, but it's the commercialization of that product, too, that is the added benefit by expanding from 20 to 24. New markets, new sponsors, new reach. So there's certainly some value there that cannot be discounted. Yes. And we have to be, we can't be naive to think that that isn't a motivator. This is why I like my idea of having a side by side tournament with lower level teams. Uh, 16 lower level teams and have them play instead of a rugby world cup. It's the rugby world championship. Right. And it's just the lower level tournament, just like uh, UEFA has the champions league and they have the Europa league. It's an opportunity for those teams to go make money, play in a good competitive competition for them um, and get some spotlight. If you can share. And uh, use that as the qualifier series for the world cup. We got four spots. There you go. Boom. We just fixed it. <laughs> oh, on this show in 45 minutes. We're in the world right now. <laughs> Honestly, not a bad idea. So, uh, and, and that's where I think, like, you're, they do need to play the top tier. And in, in this case, you're getting more teams getting a chance to play against top tier competition. But in a, I would say in a, in a kind of an unfair uh, situation rather than having – playing them during, uh, you know, a regular fall window, you're playing in a world cup where obviously they're going all out. And these, these pool matches are going to mean everything now, because you're only going to get three instead of four. So now they mean more. 
So now France isn't going to rest anybody against Hong Kong. They're bringing out the big boys because this game mean, may mean whether they get the top spot or they get two or three. Right, if you lose your first game, uh, your back's always against the wall, but it's even more important now to make sure you win every one. And, and I'll guarantee that uh, whoever wins the Rugby World Cup will be undefeated too, unlike you know the only undefeated team through pool play was England. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true, right? I mean, look, it, it does. I think at the end of the day, for the rugby product, it will be you, you'll see polar opposites. You will see, you know, teams being absolutely thumped. But to your point, Rob, we already see that. South Africa playing against Romania. The scoreline was 76 0. I think it was higher against their other opponent, too. So, just one example, and there's several we could choose from. So, that's going to happen, anyways. But maybe it will happen less often because those teams might have a chance to play against somebody similar to their, where they are ranked. They might have more competitive games. you know. And that's the other upside to consider. If Romania had an opportunity to play against Portugal, would that be a really good matchup? Mm-hmm. Could you know, Chile play against Uruguay? Could that be a great matchup? You know, we might see more of those opportunities for countries to get their first win at a Rugby World Cup. Um, and then also, don't forget, there is the wild card entry, too, which we haven't yet spoken about, which can offer, we, again, we don't know exactly what it will look like, but it's going to fill four spots to make up that round of 16 prior to the to the core finals. And uh, I don't know how they'll determine those. It's, of course, going to be, I guess, the third uh, uh, position, third seed in each group, or, or maybe not. I don't know. I can't do the math right now, but uh, <laughs> let's leave it there, gentlemen, because we can continue. And as we get close to the top of the hour, I want to get your final thoughts. And, Rob, I'm going to hand it to you first. Final thoughts? Um, hey, look, we got a commercial. We got to expand the game in order to grow the game. And and buying, you know, through inclusion, I think it just expands the game. Um, I like the idea of momentum. You never know what a team, what kind of momentum a team can produce with a win or two under their belt. Uh, by having, you know, uh, some competitive matches, you know, in pool play. You never know if somebody could sneak in there, a team that you didn't expect. Somebody like a Fiji, you know, could sneak in there and and get into a a knockout stage when, you know, people had written them off. Absolutely. So it could provide a pretty entertaining product then, if that were so. Rick, your thoughts? I I really think that the USA is obviously going to benefit in 2027 from this. But I think going to 2031, um, you you basically, we're kind of committing to them getting in 2027. I think that's going to happen. Um, They're going to get that competition. We're going to have a lot of young guys in there. We're going to get that opportunity to have that experience for them. And then going towards 2031, that can only do good things for us. I think the same for Canada. So I think America's rugby is going to benefit from this. I really question how they're going about structuring these outside of of World Cup uh, tournaments and competitions. I'd love to see them have something a little more structured, three-year plan. Here's what that looks like going towards the next World Cup. It begins. And, and, and I agree with you. You know, I love the fact that we've summed it up already well here. But it's it's not about just giving more more tickets to the Rugby World Cup, right? For nations, it's about what do we do to build them to become stronger, so they gain their legitimate uh, uh, tickets Absolutely. and they earn that right, not just handed a uh, you know a ticket to to Australia. More, more fans are going to buy tickets if they think their team has a shot. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for the American rugby brand, it needs to build confidence. And 2027 is certainly that platform to do so. We've got a good runway. We've got a pretty good setup so far, um, but it definitely needs a lot more support. Pacific Nations Cup is certainly one area that can offer value, but it can't be the only one. Correct. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time to be able to debate this. And as per usual, as a rugby fan, tell us what you think. Add your thoughts. Tell us where you went, where we went wrong, wherever it may be. You follow us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We'll continue to be able to engage online with this conversation. Don't forget to be able to check out the article yourself from America's Rugby News, debating this in detail, calling it out for what it is, a recreation, not an innovation. And that's the Pacific Nations Cup. And then, of course, the expanded 2024 Nation there. <laughs> And uh, Chicago Hounds from Rob is uh, what he's advertising. So we're going to. Yeah, well, you know, apparently this is a dogfight uh, to ah, end the show. Uh, I get really yeah. confused who he supports. You know, it's uh, Nola this week, Chicago that week. You know, I'm waiting for him to actually separate one side of his background this way, one side of the background that way. You know, create I, like I like supporting them both. That way. It's a one man split it's... household. <laughs> If, if if one one team makes it to the final and the other one doesn't, I can still claim my favorite team is in it. Absolutely. Gentlemen, as per usual, it has been a blast. Thank you very much for tuning in to watch us here on episode 156 of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Special thank you to Rick Collins for joining us here in the absence of Scott Ferrara. On behalf of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt and myself, Ty Braga, thank you for tuning in and we will see you at the next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.